Body was coughing because I brought in regular air into my lungs. Gross. What was I thinking? Fucking cancer. Cancer it up. Yeah, you know, it's mm. water without caffeine in it. What's the point? Yeah. Like, what is it? Uh, I think it's that movie How to Lose Friends and Alienate People, mm-hmm. where he goes to the bar and the bartender gives him a glass of water without looking. He takes a sip and goes, What the fuck is that? <laughs> Bartender's like, Water's like, oh, Put some beer in it or something. Yuck. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, James, I think we have some house cleaning to do, something we haven't done for quite a while. Uh-oh. I sincerely hope that by this point, Morris has been hit by a bus. <laughs> I hope every day has been worse than the day before it, and I genuinely hope that he never finds happiness. <laughs> so, basically, fuck you, Morris. You real piece of shit. You French-Canadian bastard, yeah. Oh, All right. Well, good. it's no, been a minute. I know it feels good. Yeah, it does. Cathartic. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a real weight off my shoulders. It's been a minute since I, feel I nice. dogged on French Canadians. Maybe we'll go for a jog after this or something. Oh yeah, after all that <laughs> cleansing, I might get a half a block. Well, well, again, while smoking consistently, mm-hmm. pounding down coffee. I can do one more block. Give me that coffee. <laughs> that didn't end up burning, as one. burning my throat like a marathon runner. <laughs> <laughs> all over the front of your shirt. Second degree burns everywhere for the sake of fitness. Ah, but damn, don't I feel good afterwards. Nope. Um, hey, everybody, welcome to Horror Vomit, where we talk about horror movies so you don't have to. My name is Chris Fapp, and I am one of your hosts. I am James Marino, and I'm the other one of your hosts. Yeah, did that real professional like this time. I know, how about it? No mm. stalls or nothing. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, this week we are talking about the 1990 classic, yeah. Jacob's Ladder. I, I got I got some points on it being a classic. Uh, written by Bruce Joel Rubin, directed by Adrian Lin. Hmm. Yeah, they've they've done some stuff. Oh yeah, does see now? Now I've forgotten what she'd done. Uh, and I just read. I it think it. it was one of them. I forget exactly which one did. Uh, Indecent Proposal, which actually is a really good movie. Didn't they do nine and a half weeks? Maybe that sounds about right. Yeah, just like oddball films like that. Yeah, uh, it, it's a lot of the movies that you see and you just go, oh yeah, that exists. I forgot about that. Oh, how it's, very nineties! It, it's the yeah, the real who gives a shit category of movies. Mm-hmm. That kind of shit that I'm really into. Yes, yes. <laughs> that I see it and I'm like, ooh, Pelican Brief. Yes, I'm gonna watch that. Oh, that movie is insaner <laughs> than oh, you think. Oh man, it's nuts. Yes, it is. Um. So uh, anyway, Jacob's Ladder, starring Tim Robbins as Jacob, Elizabeth Pena as Jesse, and Danny Aiello. 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 Actually, it's Aiello. I think. Eh, whatever. As Lewis. That's our main cast, I suppose. Yeah. But this movie has a lot of supporting cast that when you see him, you go, oh, shit, it's that guy. Yeah, it's the guy from Constantine. Oh, it's Ving Rhames. Oh, look, it's that guy from that movie. I have a list. I wrote them down. Uh, Matt Craven. Again, not a name that you would know off the top of your head, but you see him and you go, oh, that fucking guy. Is Is that the guy with the eye? He's the scientist at the end. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pruitt Taylor Vince. Old Crazy Eyes. Yes, yes, From, uh, was it Identity? Yeah, he's he's in everything, though. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, Jason Alexander, of course, George Costanza. Oh, yeah. Uh, Eric LaSalle. 
I know what was the name of that because I was from like, ER, I believe. Oh no, back I see. In the I 90s. think of him from um, back coming to America. <laughs> what was the name of that? Like something glow, miracle glow, or something? Soul glow. Soul glow. Because every every time I see him, all I could think of is soul glow and that that <laughs> the um, poster in there and having the towels on all of the now, chairs. Now they're McDonald's. We're McDowell's. <laughs> Very important. Yeah, two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions. But we don't have it on Sesame Sea Bun. <laughs> Uh, I love that movie. But the, the, every time I, I don't care if Eric LaSalle wins an Oscar for ten things, he's always going to be the soul glow guy to me. Uh, yeah, you already mentioned Ving Rhames. Mm-hmm. Kyle Gass pops up in here. Oh, that's right. Louis Black pops up in here. Oh my God, you're right. Uh huh. Holy shit. And a shitload of Macaulay Culkin. Well, and he wasn't credited apparently. Yes, he was uncredited. Weird, because he's actually in quite a bit of this movie. Yeah, but maybe he only was filmed for like like 20 minutes that one day. Yeah, maybe. And it, he wasn't Macaulay Culkin at that time. He was some kid that they filmed for the movie. By 1990? Well, what he did, was on his way up. What had he done? I thought he didn't uh, get... Dude, I, I don't know. I didn't go into Macaulay Culkin's filmography. Uncle Buck was around this time, right? Yeah, but isn't that what put him on the map? I, I think Home Alone's what like really like stapled him as yeah. a celebrity but. so i'm saying that when it was filmed all right we don't need kid. to go into the mechanics of macaulay culkin oh god okay. damn it but because i wanted to talk about tim robbins all six foot ten of goofy big-headedness i think we really have taken tim robbins for granted as a society Nobody thinks a big name actor and goes oh yeah tim robbins but god damn is he good he can act his ass off So, I wrote down a little bit of his filmography, in case anybody had forgotten. He is Merlin in Top Gun. Oh, God. He's in the Hudsucker Proxy, the Coen Brothers film. Of course, Shawshank. Yeah. Uh, Arlington Road. Mm Mm-hmm, Big League. (laughs) He's also in High Fidelity. Oh, God, yes. And Mystic River. He's really fucking good in Mystic River, too. Never saw that. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty good. Uh, Sean Penn's in it, so you have to deal with that. But, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I mean, take the bitter with the better. And it's directed by Clint Eastwood, so I mean, there's a couple uh, hurdles, but there's, a, there's some problems there. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, but just think about it. When you look like that, you better be able to act. <laughs> oh yeah. Otherwise, you're playing one role and one role only. He is a very large man. Yes, and there's only so many road productions that you can do of mice and men. So he <laughs> he has to be able to act. Is all I'm saying. All right, so, James, here's the burning question. Hmm. What did you think of Jacob's Ladder? Oh, what makes this a tough question is I have to go by my memories of Jacob's Ladder and the reality of re-watching it now. Because I remember it as being this huge, huge thing. You know know how, like we say, now it's an M, you know, it has an M. Night Shyamalan? Mm -hmm. We used to just say it was a Jacob's Ladder. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, so it, it it was really, really big for me in my head for that. And I had a theory about it that somehow, over a period of years, I had decided was I must have read that it must have been real. But no, it was just my theory. And then I finally, after re-watching it and checking out the director's interview, I'm like, fuck, I was so wrong. And I've been talking shit about this movie, trying to sound smart for a million years. And I was just fucking way off base. But there's a lot of things in this movie that I think kicked off 
I mean, I don't know if it was just in the air at the time, early, you know, late 80s, early 90s, because everybody was doing similar things. But the nonlinear storytelling, the the twists, the um, the non or the the static shots, everything moving all the time, that all seemed new to me at the time when I saw that movie. So that I think maybe that stuck with me longer. But upon rewatching it, I'm just like, ooh, this wasn't as good as <laughs> I remember. It wasn't as deep as I remember, and <laughs> that was going to be my. Uh... My take on this is, I think this might be a bad movie that I really like. I enjoy this film, but I recognize that it's probably bad. And if you watched it from a lens of, uh, yeah, it's from the 90s, and I guess it's one of the first to kind of do something like this a little bit, sure. But there's so many things in it, you're just like, "Mm, that doesn't make any goddamn sense. That doesn't fit. That's... mm." I don't like this. What seemed to me like they were trying to take so many chances uh-huh. that the ones that paid off paid off beautifully. But there were so many that didn't pay off that you were like, why did they even <laughs> try to go to that direction? But again, I think it's because they tried to break down as many barriers and try to do as different, like being art house for the sake of being art house almost. Yeah, this is the evil can evil. I can jump this many buses and then crashing horribly. Yes, but damn, did they try? Yeah, they tried. They tried. But we got some good Tim Robbins out of the deal. Ah, yes, yes. So, and a whole bunch we, of Elizabeth Pena. How do you want to do this? Because um, <coughs> well, we it's not like we can tell it in a linear fashion. Because <laughs> um, yeah. this movie does not do okay. anything linear. Yeah. All right, let's just spoil it anyway. It's a, it's the death rattle essentially. This entire film is him dying. It's right? the incident at Owl Creek, written large. Yeah, it's, it's what a dying man is envisioning in his final moments. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. Here's where I don't care for the dream lo- use of dream logic in this, because nothing is grounded. They can just do whatever they want. And Mm. it doesn't make a lot of sense for them to take a turn that they take about halfway through the film. Oh, no. If we posit that this is his his man's last imagination before he dies, Mm -hmm. then there's more than that many left turns that they take. And that just makes no goddamn sense. Exactly. And that's what I was going to say. That I, I really like the use of dream logic in a lot of films. I think, obviously, Nightmare on Elm Street can get away with it all day long because they set some of it in the real world. And then in the dream state, they can go fucking nuts and do whatever they want. Yes. But in this entire film, using that just as a strict premise gives you license to yeah, just go, well, this happens now. Well, why? Oh, well, because this is where he wanted his life to go. Or you can use any excuse like that because, oh, well, that's just where the story goes. Because there's nothing grounding it to anything that needs to make sense. And it, man, this goes really off the rails about half to three quarters of the way through. Well, I think, too, remember um, how I told you that I'd, I'd had this whole big theory that I thought I had read from somebody else. To me, it was specifically purgatory. And I had made the arguments because there was a lot of information that he could not have had. Yes. So, what's happening is now he's stuck in between either heaven or hell, if you go by that particular mindset. So, 
both sides are trying to figure out where he's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. So they're presenting him with information that he didn't have while he was alive. Now, that made sense to me so that he can make a choice to either stay in purgatory or ascend. Okay, well, then the outside forces are providing him with that information. Yes. And even were he to have been drugged during that occupation, that's still, I have been, (laughs) I have tripped balls, and I'm not inventing entire conspiracies out of whole cloth. I'm talking to penguins, but that's an entirely different story. Yes. So there's, it makes no sense based on what they said the movie is, and I think that's why I built that whole thing so that I could still love this movie. But uh-huh. once I've taken that piece out and it's just this, I'm like, well, fuck this movie. Yeah, because if you were to watch it in sections, again, I really like this, but... None of it makes any goddamn sense mm-hmm. because it, yeah, about halfway through the movie, it flies off the rails with the conspiracy angle. Mm-hmm. And then they had what, 20 minutes before the end or less? They had the drug angle. And then yep. at the end, it seems like they're trying to make some sort of statement on it when, mm-hmm. okay, well, you could have just done that without having this entire shaky head, de- possible demons. Well, confusing us for no good reason. Like, or you could have the drug angle actually fucking pay out. <laughs> you know, you introduce it and you talk about it. In between there, that part where you introduce it, that they had been drugged and that little flashcard at the end, they could have once maybe addressed it or maybe said, hey, it is because of the drugs and that's why he's fucked up in the head. Yay, point made. Scary movie, great. All right. So yes, we start... In the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. With Tim Robbins taking a duke. <laughs> Excellent choice. Excellent. Well, you know, they, they, the reality of war is you could be doing anything and shit kicks off. <laughs> yeah, so they start smoking a joint and everybody starts shaking and hitting the ground. And uh, uh, a Pruitt Taylor Vince is just losing his goddamn mind. He's mm. doing his best uh, full metal jacket. Ah, yes, I am in a world of shit. And uh, all of a sudden, Tim Robbins snaps awake on a train. Mm-hmm. We're, so we're led to believe that he's having a war flashback. Right. Which is uh, played very heavily throughout this film. Mm-hmm. And I thought the PTSD angle um, had been touched on, but I thought it was going to play a bigger part of it. Yes. And it just doesn't. <laughs> nope. It's like, this is low-hanging fruit that would make this movie better. Why don't you just go ahead and take, pluck just one. Just one, please, and finish up, please. No. Fuck us. He's laying in bed when we're introduced to Jesse, and he's looking at pictures of his kids. Mm Mm-hmm. And Jesse doesn't want to have anything to do with his kids. Oh, no. And so basically this is, if you know what's happening, since we've already spoiled it, this is like his dream of having a different life. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where he's left his family and he's just with this hot woman fucking around. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, has it ever made clear what he was a doctor of? Um, (laughs) No. Maybe. I didn't pay that close of attention because it kept coming up, but it never—it was never clarified as to he's a doctor of what. Yeah, it and, came up a few times and never paid off for any reason. And then we think about it—he he would have had to have gotten his doctorate prior to going to Vietnam. So him being uh, enlisted in Vietnam made no sense. Uh, well, I took that as he got it after he had gotten out of the war. 
is that was his vision of where he wanted his life to go after uh, the war. Okay, okay. Was him being a doctor. Because once once my fucking purgatory thing was knocked out of my head, I had to rethink this whole movie again. Eh. But <laughs> so he goes and sees uh Lewis, his chiropractor, mm-hmm. and gives him the Lewis, you look like an angel line. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. And it's Danny Aiello. Yeah. Not the big, first. Big, greasy, sweaty, Italian as fuck Danny Aiello. That's not my first thought when I'm thinking angels is all I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not picturing his big, fat fucking mug. Yeah. There ain't a lot of angels that are going to call you a mook. <laughs> <laughs> you are all bothering me. Come over here. <laughs> you fucking mook. All right. <laughs> So he leaves his chiropractor, and I really liked when the black girls sang uh, Mr. Postman to him. Just, oh. Maybe just because I like that song a lot. Yeah, but I've also been, I've seen situations like that. You go up there, and then somebody just picks something out, and it could be uncomfortable, and it just ends up being funny. And I, those situations happen, and I love the fact that they got that filmed. I mean, some of the things that they filmed in this movie were so fucking authentic to city life, not mm-hmm. necessarily. New York, but cities in general. Yes. That it really, it, as much as I was disliking it upon second watch, there were parts I'm like, oh, I know why I loved parts of this movie because I've been to that, not that VA, but I've been to the analog of that VA. Yeah, and I've been in this neighborhood. I've yeah. met people like this. I've, yeah. been, I've been in Bergen Street <laughs> Station. You know, that, oh, I've been in all those places and... I don't know about the other movies that they've filmed, but they really gave you a sense of place. You felt like you were fucking there, which made some of the um, hallucination sequences even more disconcerting, especially at the time when there was nothing like this. And I also they also said that everything was done, everything was filmed on set the day. All effects, etc., were filmed on set, in camera, on the day. There was no post-production, nothing. Everything they did, they did right there. Yeah, and this movie has a real, like, late 70s, early 80s, grimy New York feel. It has that grittiness. Yeah, when New York was still just a fucking pisshole. I mean, Mm. not that it's great today in spots, obviously, but, like, when New York was still dangerous. When, When you went to Times Square and you were worried. Yeah. Man. More than usual. Yeah, the one time I went to Times Square, I was just like, man, there are a lot of cops here. Oh, We're yeah. getting the fuck out of here. But Ah, yes. All right, so he gets chased down by a car. Yeah. That has a shaky head guy in the back. And the shaky head's really, uh... Ooh. Man, I mean... Was this one of the first to do shaky heads? Yes. Because I know this has actually been called one of the most terrifying films of all time. Well, And it is pretty fucking scary, honestly. And again, the way that they were cutting, the way they were cutting too, they never stayed on it so long that you could get 100% grasp. So we've talked about this where we no sense of place or different camera angles. Well, this one, again, their, their shots weren't that long, but especially when you'd think that they would really focus on the horror of whatever was happening, they'd cut to it and then cut away from it. Cut to another part and cut away from it. And the whole time, you're uneasy. Now, I had never seen anything like that when I saw this movie the first time. And I'd always go to the art film, you know, I'd always go to the music box every, every, you know, twice a month because you never knew what the fuck you were going to see. You just show up and watch whatever showed up. Yeah. I had still never seen anything quite like what I was seeing. So I think, again, new, brand new. This So the, the horror of this movie... 
upon first watching, not having not having all this other good horror that we've seen come out of it, and and a lot of the effects they're doing that have been perfected over the years now, yeah, that have been done much better. But they they had just hey, let's try this one, let's try this one. So I think they really paved the way, and I think that that's why it's remembered as as scary as it is. But yeah, yeah. because I mean. We're going to talk a lot of shit about this movie, but I again, I really like this movie. It's really well made. Mm-hmm. It yeah, it makes you feel uncomfortable in the situations in which you're supposed to feel uncomfortable. It's <laughs> yeah. a very well made film. And that straight up bit of horror that like that one that one extended where they they took him from the bed. We'll we'll okay. get there. Okay. Because I want I want to talk about that piece. Yeah. And he said he's now seen the shaky head thing. He's seen people with like slimy tails and just kind of gross append not appendages, but like maybe open sore. Yeah, but looking. yeah, like that one guy. It looked like the tentacle was coming out of him. At the yep. So this is when he goes to the VA hospital. Oh yeah. And he runs into the nurse who's giving him a bunch of shit. She has no idea who this doctor is that mm-hmm. he's not raving about, but saying like, "I need to see Doctor So and So." She tells him, you know, he's not here. I don't know what the fuck you want from me. Bends mm. down, her hat falls off. And that's when we get a very clear shot that of... That sawed-off horn? Yes. Oh. And he runs down the hall, runs into the room, and runs into the real hippie-looking dude. Yeah, doing a, a little touch-of-feely meeting. Yep. Uh, a group meeting, and it tells him that Dr. So-and-so is dead. His, he was in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we, all right. The house party. <laughs> this is where... Mm, I don't know, man. This is where it kind of loses me. Because this movie's really, really good up until now. Mm-hmm. But it kind of loses me here. Now, did the house party come before or after he got the fever? Before. Okay. And so... Uh, a woman is reading palms. Oh, Epitha in another one of our movies. Mm-hmm. I think everybody who was in either the New York scene that had ever worked on CSI or any of the Law and Orders or you know anybody in anybody in the Groundlings was in this movie because Lewis Black was in this movie too. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. Anyway, sorry. So she's reading his palm. And she tells him, well, by the looks of this, it says you're already dead. <laughs> okay, movie. God damn it. You were chugging right along. It was so good. I, I haven't noted. 35 minutes in, and they already tell us. Like, man, hold it back. I get what you're trying to do because, you know, audiences are dumb. But don't just say it. <laughs> Although, come on, we hadn't, we haven't had like that the Sixth Sense. We hadn't had any of those movies where that's, the lead had, you know. That's fair. So they had no idea how dumb or not dumb we were because it hadn't really been tried. Right. So, okay. I, I don't know why I'm trying to defend this movie this hard. Cause well, because I mean. I, I wasn't around watching horror movies in 1990. Like, well, I, I can track I would the hope pro- not. Well, I mean, I can track the progression, obviously, throughout the years of how things advance, but, like, I'm not a horror historian, for Christ's sake, so I don't know, like, 
I didn't have the experience of seeing this at the time. It's something I can appreciate in retrospect and say, oh, well, they might have done this first or a movie before this might have done it and they did it a little better and now yeah. it's gotten to this at this point. But, like, I wasn't there to see that firsthand oh. and go, oh, shit. I got you. I got you. Because that's where I was. It was like, <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think that's probably why I wanted that purgatory story. Because it made this movie better to me. Right, but the end of this house party scene, it just turns into a straight-up creature feature. Yeah. And again, this is kind of the... You need to focus on one thing that you're doing in this movie, movie, because uh, you're throwing a lot of shit at me right now. No, is this before or after the big Aiello speech? I, I don't know, man. Because, <laughs> you know, at, at first you're like... Like, I, my remembrance of this movie was that Jez, because I forgot the Jezebel. Yeah. Jezzy. Yeah, the, the, the biblical names kind of beat you over the head if you stop and really think about them. I try, I don't really. No, they bring it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> they say the line, oh, they're all biblical names. Right, but then if you take a look at what they represented in the Bible and their character archetype, you're like, fuck. Okay. On the nose, hate you. All right, so he's got a fever. Oh, yeah. He's got a fever. <laughs> And the only cure is to dump him in a bathtub full of ice. Ah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever been on the receiving end of... Uh, an ice bath? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Not under these circumstances, no, but... <laughs> no. But just as soon as I saw them grab the ice and pop in the bathtub, yeah, I had a, hmm, bad oh. feelings. Okay. This is where he wakes up in bed with his wife, Sarah. Right. And now I'm at the point, because I, I lose myself in the movie too. Mm-hmm. And even though I know everything about it in my head, it's like, well, wait a second. Is he with Sarah and dreaming of Jesse? Is he with Jesse dreaming of Sarah? Is this part of the purgatory store? What's going on? Oh, fuck no. <laughs> yep, because he even says it was a nightmare. I was with uh, Jezebel that I work with at the post office. Right. He flat out says that, oh, this was a bad dream that I was having. Uh-huh. Inside of another dream. Like, all right, guys. Pre-inception? You're, you're, you're losing the thread on your own story. Like, mm-hmm. it really felt like in the writing, this is where it really got away from him. Wait, dude, dude, didn't you just say that this happened? Yeah, fuck it, they won't notice. Just keep going. And this is where I was talking about the having dream logic just as a premise Mm -hmm. kind of allows you to just do whatever you want. And it's kind of lazy because you don't have to follow a story Mm -hmm. because they just slap this right in the middle of it. Yeah. And it's funny because in a lot of places you can see them injecting story into it. Oh, it's getting bored. Let's put more story in. Oh, it's getting bored. Put more story in. It was like they layered the story as an afterthought. Uh Uh-huh. Because it wasn't making any goddamn sense. Okay. So he tucks Macaulay Culkin back into bed, Mm -hmm. and now he has three kids. Right. That fuck. I'm like, why didn't you um, intimate that there was more than one child prior to this? I think they do when he is laying in bed looking at pictures with Jezebel at the very beginning because he says, oh, here's, I forget Macaulay Culkin's name, Mm -hmm. Gabe. Yeah. 
and oh, and here's this other kid. But I think he only mentions two names. I could right. be wrong. Mm-hmm. But I just wrote down like, hmm, this seems like the wrong number of kids. Right. Like they're adding a dream inside of a dream, like a fever dream that might be the truth inside of a dream. I mm. I, again, this is where it's just kind of the... Uh, let's just go hog wild with the writing. Who gives a shit? Yeah. We can get away with whatever we want. We'll just say it's a fever dream inside of this dream, inside of this other dream. It really bothers me. I'm sorry. That's all right. Because I actually had an argument one time about the Jezebel character. Remember when she burns all, all the pictures? You you know, you got to get rid of all this shit. In my head, it was like, see, she's the, she's the angel trying to get him to let go of his past to ascend. No, she was just... <laughs> Is she just being demon doing demon shit? <laughs> just just being demon, doing what demon do. That's right. Burning the fuck out of your memories. Fuck you. So he wakes up in the bathtub to Dr. Lewis Black. <laughs> I just... Yeah. Yeah, no, like he actually... He's only in it literally for like two seconds. Well, he used to be a playwright and an author, so... And an actual actor before he did stand-up, so I'm not surprised. So... Uh, apparently he's having a hard time recovering from this 106 degree fever. So Jesse gets all pissed off at him. And that's mm. when her eyes turn. Oh yeah. That, that made me jump a little bit. Cause I'd forgotten about that part. Yeah. Again, had they not injected anything else? Like if you're just doing demon shit, just do that. You don't need to give us also a creature feature, but you don't need to give us also his PTSD, which uh, we're getting to, but it's so many hat on a hat on a hat and a hat on a hat of things going wrong, mm-hmm. man, focus on one thing and do it right. But again, I can't hate it because this movie is supremely entertaining. And, and because of its pacing, again, I, I have troubles sitting through an entire movie. I sat down, start to finish it twice. I can't do that with any other movie. It's very good. <laughs> so it, it grabs you and moves you, and it's all a matter of where you want to throw your attention because you got a different movie every time, too. But not as good as some of the other different movie every time movies we've seen. Yes. But I really think that if they were to... Well, no, they did redo it. I haven't seen it. No, I refuse to watch it. I don't need another Jacob's Ladder. Yeah, but I want to see if they did it good. Probably not. Yeah. Okay, so here is where we're introduced to Paul Gruniger. Paul Gruniger. His old Vietnam buddy. Oh, Big Bird. Yep. They go and uh, they meet at the bar. And uh, this is where the conspiracy angle makes its first appearance. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. This is where I really started to tune out and get upset. Like, okay. Because it feels like you're going to just abandon everything that you've set up so far to take this angle. Mm-hmm. And they kind of do. Yep. A little bit. And then they're responsible for the clunkiest, most bullshit, take me out of the movie, fuck you dialogue in the entire universe. <laughs> uh-huh. They named the drug Ladder so you can take you down to hell quicker. Fucking ladder. If you're going down, there's a thousand billion things that you can do that are quicker than a ladder. I climbed ladders for a living. (laughs) If you want to go down, jump, get pushed, anything. Ladder, no. So here's a slide. A slide. Jacob slide. Here's where this really bothers me. Because they give us a shot, a flashback from the war Mm -hmm. that is not from Jacob's point of view. Exactly. 
that's cheating. <laughs> that is cheating. That is covering up. That is making it so we cannot figure out the mystery mm-hmm. because you made it so we couldn't. Well, yeah. Well, again, it is making it so it's not really like a flashback or anything to do with him dying because this is something that he couldn't have seen. Right. So this is something that clearly happened that he couldn't have couldn't have imagined on his deathbed. Right. So that is cheating. That is covering your tracks and making it so we are you're making it definite in our minds mm-hmm. that this is the current his current state. Mhm. Mm. And again, uh, I explained that poorly, but God damn no, it. No, but we take a look at that same fact. All of the knowledge he could not have had about things people he could not have even known. Now it's just bad storytelling because you're you're our real okay. First of all, our narrator is unreliable because we know he has PTSD and all this other stuff. Then you introduce this extra drug angle, mm-hmm. but a lot of the knowledge he had to have gotten to know that there was no way that he could have even engendered that. It's cheating. You're a hundred percent right. So. Gruninger, when they leave the bar, gets into his car, and his car has been bombed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Gruninger's dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about Mitch. No, no, no. This is... Because that's what I was no, this is. About. I know. Yeah. I, I was trying to keep us on track, give you subtle hints, but whatever. Run sorry. wild with it. I don't give a shit. Fucking it's idiot. Jacob's Ladder. Who gives a fuck? Jacob's Slide, goddammit. So, uh... Yeah, so they're at the wake, and this is where he's meeting all the other guys from the platoon, mm-hmm. and they've all been seeing demons, except for one. Right. All right. <laughs> this is where it goes real off the rails, <laughs> because they decide to go hire a lawyer. Mm-hmm. In the middle of our horror story, we get a brief courtroom drama. I, and I was hoping that it was going to go down that way for a minute. I really was, too. Because, again, like, I'm really into, yeah, like, the Pelican Brief and the Firm and whatever else. It's like, ooh, are we just going to do this now? Is this going to be the rest of this? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> 90s courtroom Woo-hoo. with Jason Alexander as the lawyer? Hell yeah. Let's do this shit, Jacob's Ladder. Although I will tell you what, I don't know really much about Jason Alexander, but he, he, could, he can act. Yeah. Man can act. But they... Try to hire him to take on the U.S. That's government, true. and he's just some schlubby dude but he, in a he, shitty law office. And all you can sit there and do is sit there and go, oh, class action suit? Government? Hmm. That's the only reason he was interested. Not that he could handle it. Not that he had the means to do it. Not that he had the ability to do it. All he saw were the dollar signs, and you could see that in his face. That was really cool acting. But in the end, he decides not to take the case. Hmm. Wonder why. Then why did we do any of this? Right. <laughs> why did we introduce a lawyer character if you're just going to about literally about five or six scenes later just go, nah, never mind. And in addition, add to it this whole nefarious men in black kind of thing with the two guys in the car and the menace from the government. <laughs> you know, all this shit is happening and then it's never fucking readdressed. It's just like a big red herring for no reason. We didn't need another red herring. We didn't need any of that. Yes, because he gets the call that the lawyer hasn't taken the case. He calls Eric LaSalle 
and says, "What the fuck?" And goes, "What the fuck is going on?" And he tells him, "Jacob, we're not we're not going to pursue this any further." And it's the rest of the platoon in the room with him. Right, and it's never told why. Yeah, again, it's it's deceiving mm-hmm. because it's not allowing us to. How do I want to say this? It's putting that in our brains that this is what is happening, and I understand that that's the point. But you can't give us shots from things that he couldn't have or wouldn't have imagined. It's kind of like railroading. It's like they're forcing us to this particular destination. Yes, that yes, that is exactly what I was trying to say. Is it's leading you down an incorrect road rather than leaving it open for you to go down your own road. Like and, yeah, and kind are. of figure out the mystery beforehand. Gotcha. Yes. Thank you for illustrating my point better than I could. Woohoo. So I'm not just another pretty face. He uh, assaults his lawyer in a courtroom. Yeah, and again. <laughs> this is New York City? Yes. He attacks his motherfucker in a courtroom, walks out. No, nobody even questions him. He just walks out into the street. And I want to know if this was when he was a postman. Was this before or after the term going postal was a thing? Because, again, I don't know when this is supposed to be set. Well, I don't no, know this if this is supposed to be late 70s, early 80s, mm-hmm. if it's supposed to be right after Vietnam. Well, going by the cars and stuff, it's, it looks like 75, 76. All right. Because he was supposed to have gotten out in 71. I, I don't know cars, so I guess that would be a giveaway, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know cars, but I do know that those what the cars looked like when I was that age. So, But either way, uh, Jason Alexander tells him that he never even went to Vietnam. He was discharged. Him and the rest of the guys that he had brought into his office were discharged on psych evaluations after some war games in Thailand. Mm-hmm. And then, again, this, this, this brings up two things now. Either we have to accept that um, Robbins and the crew are actually bugfuck nuts, uh-huh. and this is all, which very well could be the case in the way this movie is done. Yes. Or that this giant military conspiracy cover-up, which again, in the way this movie is, could be. Neither one of them are re-fucking addressed. It was just there to get us to go down that road again. Yes. And not leaving it open for us to figure it out. Because we haven't mentioned the entire time uh, he's having flashbacks to being stabbed with a bayonet. By the by the one guy, remember when they were all standing there and we're all going yeah. crazy and the one guy says, I'm not. That's yeah. the guy who stabbed them. Uh-huh. So, but we see him being airlifted out and everything. So, again, it's leading us down that road of this is just what happened after he got home with a, like a purple heart or something. Yeah. It's leading us down that road and I understand that's the point. But again, using such deceiving filmmaking, it doesn't give us the opportunity to kind of figure it out beforehand like a good mystery would be. Right, and it doesn't really leave the clues for us to discern it prior to. This is like a lot of the movies you can go, oh, that would have been fair, I could have caught that. Or I could have caught that piece, I just missed that piece. That yes. was fair. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like that in this movie. They don't, they don't throw for- any... Except for several people blatantly telling him that he's already dead. Yeah. That's it. Right. But it's not... That's, again... He wouldn't be having this dream if he were dead. Right. It's, but no, but also the thing is... Brain too, function doesn't... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> He is still technically alive when they say he's dead. Number uh-huh. one. <laughs> number two. No, just no. 
But they, they, they don't give us a chance to even give fair real clues because the clues that we get are we are getting beaten with a clue bat. Boom, this must be it. And then if I see something that obvious, I assume it's not right. You know what I mean? Yes. But they didn't even give us like subtle clues that, you know, we could have gone back and gone, ah, shit, if I was just smart enough, I could have caught that. Exactly. Which would have made this a better movie. So then he gets abducted by the government. Ah, yes. <laughs> Those... At this point, this is pretty much where I stopped taking notes. I was just like, fucking, all right, do whatever you want, movie. Just do whatever the fuck you want to do, because you're going to do it anyway. God damn it. <laughs> but the guys that they had look like I would expect like older CIA operatives to look. Mm-hmm. Looks like they may have once had muscle going a little bit to fat. Yep. Have seen and heard every amount of shit in the entire world, and we're going to explain to you what's going to happen. And really, I don't care what you have to say because you're going to listen to us. That tone, because I've heard that tone. That is a scary. Those are guys, those are the scariest motherfuckers in the entire face of the planet. Little fat old white guys, and you're just like, oh no, no, they're, 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 no, just okay, whatever you say. I'll be over here. Please don't talk to me. Yeah. So he kicks the living shit out of all three of them. I liked that. Fall. Falls out of the car and gets robbed by Santa Claus. <laughs> but the second time we've seen somebody get robbed by Santa Claus. And exactly. Again, this is right after he gets abducted and I've already said, fucking do what you want, movie. Who gives a shit? The then he gets fucking rolled by Santa. The only thing that, Okay, movie. <laughs> the only thing that irritated me about that scene is they, the, we know the door is not closed, right? Mm-hmm. It takes forever for him to fall out of that thing. It's like three full minutes of this car flapping. <laughs> whack, whack. I'm like, would you fall out of the fucking car already? I'm done. Scene should be over two minutes ago. Fall out of the fuck. No. Whack. Whack. Two turns. It's him finally. just repeatedly kicking the driver in the back of the head. Right. We, we could have done with two of those. No, come on. <laughs> fall out of the goddamn car. <laughs> You're absolutely right. It goes on forever. And it's just like... It's just like <laughs> I hadn't even thought about it, but that really got me. Annoying as fuck. <laughs> Holy shit, I found something you didn't. Oh, I'm going to play the lotto today. But All right, so then he goes to the spooky hospital. Okay, that hospital. Fuck. Again, this is a fantastic me. horror scene. Oh, did you know that um, they, the, this movie is a, like, visually is a direct, um, they used it as a direct idea for Silent Hill? Oh, I believe it. 1,000%. They actually, the um, designer had said as much. He said, no, this is totally Jacob's Ladder. All the goddamn, the excellent shots of like the gore on the floor with the squeaky wheel on the gurney. Mm -hmm. Mm. Or the tile walls, the flickery lights. Man, it is a thousand percent pure horror shots and it is very good. Well, in old VAs, those hallways look like that and occasionally there is nothing scarier um, being on one of those that occasionally they have to go across a walkway where you go from like light to dark to light to dark, from inside to outside to inside. And as soon as they pulled him outside, I had a visceral reaction because I'd been pushed through those areas. And then I added on top of that, when you saw the floor, and you're like, they're pulling him into the abandoned part of this film. Nobody ever wants to go into an abandoned part of the VA. The parts of that were built in 1890. Parts were built in 1920. <laughs> parts were, you don't know what the fuck you're going to find or who's going to be there. You don't want to. And then they get into the place where you can just see the tile. It, and, yeah. and it's just wrong. And then you start seeing smears. And then you start seeing arms and legs and body parts. And 
Oh, yeah. Or what was it? It's like when he went under the cage or like when they pulled him under oh, the cage. Oh, man. Hell yeah. Dude, that's such a good shot. Where they had the amputees, mm-hmm. the lady nursing the the, uh, the baby doll. Uh-huh. The person with like round pads instead of feet and heads just over the top of that. And I have had that hallucination where you see little people with sucker hands. So when I Ooh. saw that, because I one time I felt like my entire body was a metal ga- garbage can, and I could feel the army guys with suckers, suction cups, climbing up. Ugh. And you could hear that. That was, yeah, that messed with me when I saw that with the the person with like the suction cup hands. Uh, I, I had to turn the movie off for like about five minutes to kind of pull myself back in. But here's the thing about this hospital. Yeah. It doesn't matter. No. It just looks cool. Oh, I know. The visuals for that alone. They could have just... If they would have just done all the little scary scenes in one big movie, it would have been, what, a 25-minute movie? Oh, it would have been great. I would really not, good highlight reel. I would, never, I would never sleep again. But we get another flashback to him with his other wife. I forget her name, but it doesn't matter. I don't know, Sarah? Sarah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarah. Yeah. And they go back into the that again. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, right in the middle of his supposed, like, surgery or whatever, right? Right. But then Jesse's there when he wakes up again. It, man, this movie mm. is a goddamn mess at the end. <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you, um, the scene where the scene where he's in there, when you got the doctor with no eyes uh-huh. and all that stuff, and it's like, well, it doesn't really matter. You're dead. What You know, what do you want us to do with that, you know? Yeah. And and you can you can see it on Tim Robbins' face. It's like, am I dead? Am I not dead? But oh, I just re- I was reminded of the other part where they put him in suspension, where they were Ooh. putting the screws. Uh huh. Yeah, and then you could just he couldn't move his head, and you were just like, oh, the helplessness, and then all this freaked out shit, and then he's still getting screwed into that bed. Yeah, that was that was another high moment of uncomfortability. <sighs> all right. So they get a phone call from a guy that he doesn't know mm-hmm. who tells him, meet me at this place. I need to talk to you. After he had been abducted by those other two dudes and all this other shit happened. Uh-huh. He's like, okay. So he goes and meets this guy who tells him about this experimental drug mm-hmm. that because he had made the best LSD he had ever made in his life. Then all of a sudden, the brass shows up and tells me, I can rot in prison or I can do two years in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So they put me in a lab in Saigon, and I was making, and they were isolating uh, different properties mm-hmm. to make this psychedelic drug to bring you down to your base anger, your base rage, violence. We gave it to jungle apes, and they tore each other apart. Yep. <laughs> then we gave it to the Kong. Yeah, we gave it to Charlie, and, and in my head, I'm like, Charlie, I don't remember which one of the groups named Charlie. It took me yeah. two seconds to go, oh, uh-huh. Charlie! Oh, a Vietnam reference. Oh, Shit. Oh, yeah. So they really just spell it out at the end of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> too little, too late movie. Where you take the ladder quickly down. Yeah. To hell. Mm, fuck you. Well, there was a fight, right? Yeah, but it wasn't with the Kong. It was with yourselves. Mm. You all slaughtered each other. One of you was collecting arms. Okay. <laughs> yeah, great. But that made sense, though, with the uh, old VA scene with all the arms on the ground. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. And 
Okay. Didn't mean to take the wind out of your sails there, bud. No, it's just... It's very flat-footed approach, I guess. It's just very... Yeah, we're just going to say it. Well, yeah. But then again, none of this matters. (laughs) Because he goes back into another flashback where he's wearing... Daisy Dukes in a t-shirt oh playing with kids. Yeah, that no, just no. There, that scene is all kinds of wrong. Following Macaulay Culkin up some stairs. Yeah. Because he's ascending. He's finally decided to leave his memories behind. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. So, what is the story of Jacob's Ladder? Because <laughs> this doesn't make any goddamn sense. That it ends with just a big spiel about how the U.S. government may have used psychedelic drugs on soldiers in Vietnam. And it's also... Um, just so you know. Like, it's also commented on. <laughs> and when you go back to the um, scene where he's in the um, train station, if you look at all the dr- all the ads on the thing, uh-huh. drugs are bad. Yeah. Drugs are bad. Don't take drugs. Drugs are bad. Bad drugs. I don't know. I so mean, what is this movie trying to say? Because if they were trying to do a yeah, uh, troops were drugged in Vietnam against were. their will. Yeah. Then make that movie. Mm-hmm. Or make that the actual monster of the movie. Don't make it this bullshit. His dying thoughts. Don't make it the halfway through. Now we're going to introduce this conspiracy wrinkle where the government drugged you. Because it's not made apparent through until about halfway through the film. Do you Until th- then, it's just a demon-y monster movie. Do you think that maybe they they added that up because the movie didn't make any goddamn sense? So that I don't know, man. A message. I don't know. <laughs> but th- this movie again is like people who love this movie love this movie, and they will defend it to within an inch of their lives because it's really good. Yeah. Everything that we've said about it, that I I stand by what I've said. It's bullshit, mm-hmm. but man, is it good! It's, it's visually striking. When he wakes up in that fucking bathtub, oh my god, it's incredible. You feel like you're in a goddamn bathtub. Yeah, it is very visually striking. The fucking creature feature monster party at the end of the uh, house party. Yeah, absolutely. It's visually stunning. And they didn't overdo it because they could have gone further with a lot of those effects. No, and with a, a few very notable exceptions, the dialogue is very good. Yes. It's... I think people think this movie's smarter than it is. I did for years. Uh-huh. I did for years and years. <laughs> Boy, I had... I would tell you... I would, I would sit down and hold court and talk about this fucking movie, and I was so wrong. Uh-huh. So wrong. Because it's kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah, I don't want it to be dumb. I really like it, but it's kind of dumb. <laughs> I like shit. I like to be a little smart. This isn't. Yeah, this this feels like a... It, it might have been smart for 1990, but uh, mm-hmm. as, a, as film viewers, I think we've gotten a little smarter since then. Right. Because, I mean, it, it's smarter than a lot of shit that came out in the 80s. Well, yeah, but that's not <laughs> yeah. saying a whole fuck of a lot. Uh-huh. But it, I don't know, man. This movie... I, I don't know if this movie is remembered fondly. If it, well, I mean, I don't... All right, fondly might be the wrong word. If it's remembered as being smart, because I know it's remembered as being good, and it is a good movie. 
Well, I'll tell you what I, I noticed about Jacob's Ladder, especially people around my age. Everybody's heard of it. Everybody's seen it. Not a whole lot of people have revisited it. So it's a thing. It's a, it's a touchstone that, that meant something at that moment, but it's never been touched on again. It yeah. didn't have that staying power, I guess. Yeah. Like I said, and I think it might be the same thing that like Inception has, mm-hmm. where if you think about it for more than two seconds, it all falls apart. Mm-hmm. But if you just watch it and enjoy yourself, it's, it's good. It's well, perfectly serviceable. I think this movie paved the way for movies like Inception. Yeah, maybe. Because I really think that the, the whole idea of this movie really at the time was, even though this is Incident in Owl Creek, you ever had to read that when you were a kid? No. About the kid, guy getting hung at the, on the bridge? No. And he falls off, floats down the river, gets saved by a maiden, and all of a sudden, at the end of the story, you hear his neck snap? Oh, no. Well, that's like this movie is that story written large. And I was just like, eh, because I didn't want it to be that, because then that is just too on the nose. Yeah, that, that is pretty much exactly this story. Right. <laughs> So you got to, he lived this whole big thing in that split second between the, 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 when the platform dropped and his neck snap. This whole big thing played out. And that's, again, this movie. I'm like, ah, that's why I think I, in my head I want it to be the purgatory story. Yeah, it's a real go-fuck-yourself ending. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this movie said we can go right ahead and fuck ourselves. But again, I, I wasn't around in 1990. Like, I go back and watch uh, Silence of the Lambs. And I still think, like, parts of it, like, this is kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but. Well, I'll tell you. Cause at I, the time, it pretty much, like, changed the face of what horror was for a little bit, anyway. I remember because, like, uh, Silence of the Lambs and Dracula came right, right around the same time. And I wasn't a big movie goal like you are. But I think it was, like, I saw Silence of the Lambs one week. And I'm like, oh, Dracula. I went and saw Dracula the next week. <laughs> Gary Oldman looking like an asshole. Oh, yeah, but, you know, that's just how he looks. <laughs> Keanu Reeves just getting his face pushed in the dirt by, mm-hmm. yeah, Gary Oldman and Anthony Hopkins. But visually, there were no movies like that before. When you saw those, you were just like, holy fuck, what did they do? <laughs> is that a wolf fucking a lady? <laughs> ah, yes, that is a wolf fucking a lady. <laughs> holy shit. Don't see me. <laughs> <laughs> An embarrassed wolf. <laughs> God damn, I hate that movie. <laughs> I know. I really sincerely do not like it. <laughs> but anyway, back to Jacob's Ladder. Again, I really like this movie. I would I would have to say that I would recommend it again. Yeah, well watch it. Yeah. It's, okay. Watch it in the same way that you would watch Inception. And don't think about it too hard, because if you do, it comes crumbling down. Quickly. All right, I think we are uh, all set here. James, plugs, what have we got? We've got an aging calendar, and we have... Uh, uh, wait, what do we got? We don't have the Twitter. We've got the... What's the other one? Instagram? Yeah, we have that. Yeah. We got that going for us. Yeah. I don't know why we have it. It's basically just to say, like, hey, we made a new thing. But follow yeah. us if you want. I but, mean, if you're on there, you can go ahead and take a look. Yeah, I'm not going to stop you, but... <laughs> We're not going to make it either. Yeah, I mean, it's really not going to benefit you too much. Nah, but, you know, if you're on the Facebook, you can like our page and whatnot. Oh, yeah, you can come visit our group uh, every Saturday night at 9. I post a link to our Discord, and at 10, you can come watch a movie with me if, if you like. I have no idea what we're doing this week. It'll be something. There'll, there'll be a movie. There will be a goddamn movie. 
I mean, Absolutely. I've been trying to do horror movies, but I don't know. Maybe we'll watch Buckaroo Banzai. Who gives a shit? Fucking love Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, and we got other shit going on here. But yeah. you'd probably know about that because, you know, all six of you. Yeah. But, um, um, constant listeners. Um, skid out of here. Bye bye. Bye. You fucking scumbags. Oh, eat shit one last time, Morris. Yeah, go fuck yourself, You're Morris. You're a real piece of human trash. <laughs>